It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Friday episode of Locked On Raptors, January hasn't exactly been the month that saved the Raptors season or anything. They're still 22 and 27, just 6 and 7 since the calendar turned to 2023. But on today's show, we'll dig into some reasons for optimism and things that have actually tangibly changed in the way the Raptors play basketball to make them unquestionably a more interesting team than they were going into the new year. We'll get into all of that on today's episode of Locked On Raptors, plus the latest rumor roundup. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1329 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, January the 27th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all of my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free on your favorite podcast audio apps. You can also go to support the YouTube channel by just going, searching Locked On Raptors in the old YouTube machine, finding the channel, hitting subscribe. You have done a service to me if you have done that, and you've joined our little Locked On Raptors family here, a group that doesn't always agree uh, (laughs) if you look at the comments or the live chats when the episodes premiere, but a pretty fun group nonetheless. It would be boring if none of us agree, or if we all agreed on everything, I think. Uh, Either way... Thank you so much for being here, and a big thank you as well to LinkedIn. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, who help you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NBA. All right, on today's show, as I kind of teased off the top, we're going to dig into some reasons for optimism, or at least reasons to uh, enjoy the Raptors again that have kind of percolated over the course of... Of the last month or so here, the Raptors, of course, still mired in a very tough season, 22 and 27, uh, six and seven in January. Not exactly the turnaround that I think a lot of people had hoped for when the schedule got light and home heavy at the start of the month. They kind of bungled that homestand and it's been just a slog, two steps forward, you know, three steps back type of thing all year long. However, I do think it's pretty clear that, you know, we were clamoring in December. Just make some changes to the way this team plays, please. Just try to mix things up. Use guys in different roles. Just have some level of innovation on the offense, not to mention the defensive side of things, which maybe hasn't quite changed as much as the other side of the ball, but still there's reason for optimism there, too. You know, this has been a month where the Raptors have actually taken those criticisms of many people going into the new year and actually applied them and made themselves into at least, if nothing else, a more interesting and competitive basketball team. And I know that's not exactly, you know, thrilling for anybody who had higher ambitions for this season, but 
it's an 82 game season. We can't get mired in the crap all day long, all the time. We have to, I think, try to find kernels of hope and glee and joy. And I think the Raptors are actually providing some of those over the last month or so. So on today's show, we're going to kind of dig into the changes in the offense, the changes on the defense. And also, I I got some uh, listener submissions. I kind of was curious, what are people interested by in terms of what the Raptors are doing game plan-wise over the last month? And there's some good submissions came in. We'll read those, plus a little rumor roundup at the end of the show. Stuff on OG and Gary Trent Jr. and Fred Van Vliet switching to clutch sports. Uh, That will be later on in the show as well. But let's get to it here. And talk about, I think, the thing that's changed the most over the course of the last month. And I think that's the offense. The offense is actually a passable NBA offense. And that is a miracle, considering where things were at the start of the year. Of course, you'll remember, the Raptors were flirting with 30th in the NBA in half-court offensive efficiency for much of the back part of 2022. Uh, At one point, they were 30th behind the Houston Rockets. They finished at 28th. In the NBA, as of December the 31st, between the start of the year and December 31st, they were 28th in half-court offensive efficiency per cleaning the glass, which, you know, great site. They cut out garbage time and stuff like that. It's a, it's a pretty good barometer of how teams are performing when things actually matter on the floor. Since then, the Raptors have put together the 16th best half-court offense in the NBA since January the 1st. And that is no great shakes, of course. But remember what we said coming into this year. If the Raptors were going to do anything, it's because their half-court offense found at least enough capability to scrounge out a reasonable half-court offense. 28th wasn't good enough. Coming into the year, 21st, 18th, something like that would have been, I think, a really welcome thing to pair with what we know is a really devastating transition attack. Problem at the start of the year was, yes, the Raptors still kind of hung around middle of the, the pack offensively because their transition offense was so incredible, But they were trying to make 20% of the game, the transition part of it, into the thing that buoyed their entire operation. And that's just a lot to ask for 20% of the game to be such an outlier that you're able to survive and be competitive night to night. Instead, the Raptors are now actually succeeding in the 80% of the game, which is half-court offense. And there have been some, I think, pretty clear tweaks in how they've gone about it. And they all seem relatively sustainable to me. If guys are all right assuming the roles they've assumed, which we'll examine in a sec here, but, you know, I I just feel like it's pretty clear the offensive hierarchy has changed. Obviously, I think the biggest single change in the way the Raptors have played basketball this season was moving Scotty Barnes to be more of a nominal center most of the time on offense. He's been involved in a whole lot more as far as, you know, getting possessions going you know, tying together the little sort of the, the sequences in possessions, being that, you know, glue guy who kind of connects He's been really great at it, and we've seen. You know, he's got the juice to score from the free throw line. If when he gets it on the short roll, he can pass. Obviously, he can pass with the very best of them. Um, you know, he's not really done a whole lot with the mid range game, but we've seen little instances of when he does dabble in it and does have some success. It completely changes the way defenses have to think about him. I think back to that Portland game, for example, which was maybe the best example. Two mid range Jays against Yusuf Nurkic, and all of a sudden they have to completely change the way. They guard Scotty Barnes. You know, the, the numbers usage-wise don't suggest that Scotty's completely altered his role or anything like that. In fact, his usage is down about 1% uh, over the last 27 days since January the 1st from where it was in the first part of the year. Also keep in mind, the first part of the year had a lot of injuries, so guys just sort of inflating their, their usage stats that way because, you know, some guys with high usage weren't playing. Um, you know, Pascal missing 10 games, for example, inflated everybody's usage. But 
In addition to Scotty, you know, yes, having a slight drop in his overall usage rate, which is, of course, the, the number that's, that is that is tied to you finishing off possessions with a point, free throws, or like a shot, a free throw, or a turnover, uh, he's still been involved in more possessions. That's the thing. Per NBA.com, they track the total number of touches that players get. From the start of the season to December 31st, Scotty Barnes was at 71.5 touches per game. Third on the team, there's a pretty clear dividing line in both sections of the season if we're, you know, parsing it out before 30, December 31st and after December 31st. You know, it's Siakam, then Fred, then Scotty, and then a pretty clear gulf between OG and Trent. Since January 1st, that's actually stratified even more. Pascal and Fred and Scotty are taking up more of the touches, whereas OG and Trent are seeing those touches drop a little bit, which again, we'll get into sort of the dynamics of that, the human element of that in a sec when we kind of dive into the rumor roundup at the end of the show. But with Scotty, you know, he's shooting less. He's, he's, he's under 20% usage since January 1st, but he's got 79 and a half touches per game, up eight per game. And that speaks to him just having his sort of fingers in the cookie jar a little bit more often, right? He's always involved in these possessions, running stuff from the elbows, working in the short roll. Of course, we've seen it with the bench lineups as well, him initiating there over the last few games too. That, I think, is a really tangible and sustainable change and it's made the Raptors a hell of a lot more interesting to watch because it's weaponized their most exciting young player how is that not a fun thing whether it leads to them going and putting together some sort of run here I don't know we'll get to the defense in a sec which is still no great shakes but the offense has unquestionably been a lot better and a lot more just pleasing to watch and they're not having to rely on the extremes so much they're actually just getting to be like a normal basketball team which is kind of nice uh you know even though the results haven't quite been there you know, this also, you know, leads to sort of all sorts of questions when it comes to OG Ananobi, for example, who we talked about yesterday on the show with Jamar. I love OG Ananobi. I think he's great. I don't know if he's good enough with the ball in his hands to really open up big pockets of the game for him to go and flex his creation muscles. He's just not there. Yes, he's a walking paint touch. Still is. He's really hard to stay in front of, but he's not done a great job at sort of making those reads he's still at around two assists a game um, you know he can kind of get at the ball knocked f- free a little bit because he holds it too low stuff like that um, you know those four race to the rim wall very useful because they create paint touches aren't always just the best use of possessions and I would rather as the Raptors have sort of you know adapted over the course of the, of the last month I would rather see Scotty Fred and Pascal be the guys to get most of those creation touches and the touches numbers suggest that that's exactly what's happening and I think that's a big reason why you've kind of cut out those sort of OG let's see what I got here type possessions and you know maybe that is potentially a source of contention or tension within the team Mark Stein though uh, with his latest reporting uh, had his newsletter drop today well, to get to the Fred Van Vliet stuff at the end, the Gary Trent Jr. stuff as well, but the OG stuff ties in nicely to this offense conversation. I think the Raptors' offense has looked better because OG is doing a little bit less. And this is the thing I've advocated for him to do all season long coming into the year. I wasn't itching for some, we got to get OG expanded, give him more creation. I think he's an excellent, incredible role player scorer who can finish plays for you when the other players on the team have leveraged him into good positions. That's OG's best lot on the team and maybe in the NBA in general. But if there is an inkling there that he wants some more, you know, his usage is down from around 21% down to about 17% since January the 1st. Um, You know, maybe that's just not the role he's looking for. And maybe that opens up the potential of a deal. That said, Mark Stein said in his reporting today that he doesn't get the sense that OG Ananobi is on the trade block at all. 
Brian Windhorst said the exact same thing on the Hoop Collective podcast today as well, and those guys are plugged in. That said, you know, we, we know the rumor mill. We know the Raptors don't leak a whole lot. This is probably stuff coming not from the Raptors, and if there's ever been a front office to make a deal for a guy who's not at all involved in rumors, it might be the Raptors. So I'm not holding off on, you know, the, the idea of, of an OG trade still happening. I think that could very much happen. I think the reasons for it, I've laid out a lot over the last week or so. I think they're pretty sound as far as, you know, does it just kind of reallocate the possessions in the team in a little bit more of a balanced way, keeps everybody a little happier, and most importantly, does it maximize OG at maybe the peak of his value where, you know, and I hate talking about players like this, but it's just the reality of the way it is, but like, do you maximize OG now to get as much back as you can before in 18 months staring down the proposition of paying him $35 million a year? Which, hey, his defense might be worth it alone, but paying that kind of money to someone who can't really create his own shot or create for others, I think is a little bit of a dicey proposition, regardless of how great the defense is. So the offense has changed. It's very much more interesting to watch. They're getting by without having to be incredible in transition. In fact, they've been bad in transition since January the 1st, 27th in the NBA per cleaning the glass in transition defense. That's not great. Um, But the half-court offense has been good enough that they've still been able to hum along as the 12th best offense both season-long and over the last month. I just think what we've seen over the last month is a way more sustainable pathway to getting to that 12th overall offense. Of course, we've seen the regression back to the mean for Trent and OG and Fred Van Vliet starting now too. That's all been very helpful. And, you know, just more weapons. Chris Boucher, you know, Chris Boucher kind of having his moments here and there. Obviously, Precious Achua. We're going to talk about him a lot in the defense section. But, um, yeah, it's clearly a more interesting team. How it affects the hierarchy and the interpersonal dynamics is something I don't really have the intel to talk about. But it's something to keep an eye on for sure because they found a better method here. It's just maybe it comes at the expense of some guys and maybe that makes the deadline decision making a little more difficult. We're going to come back on the other side, get into the defense and how some things have actually changed in terms of they're not just giving up all of the worst shots all the time anymore. Progress, baby. Still not a very good defense, but we'll tell you why there might be some kernels of optimism hidden in their defensive play as well coming up in just one second. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs, who are the place to go if you are looking to hire for your team as a small business owner or hiring manager. You know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools that go beyond the resume, by uh, resume data that is, by using insights from your job post company and and there are 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. No more wasting time talking to people who just aren't the right fit. Obviously, it's a very difficult game out there. Lots of people looking for gigs. You want to find the people who are going to exactly match your qualifications. If the Raptors were doing this, for example, they'd be looking for people who can shoot three-pointers or be tall. You could actually filter for that with their profile. If they were, in fact, hiring, this is how it worked in the NBA, they could go and get the exact right candidates applying for their openings with LinkedIn Jobs as well. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedInNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedInNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. 
Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's continue on here with your first listen of the day, digging into a month of transformation for the Toronto Raptors. Maybe not the transformation everybody would have hoped for in terms of, you know, rattling off a 9-4 and record or something like that and saving the season. There's still plenty of reason to think they're going to make some big moves before the deadline just because of the state that they find themselves in. But again, they've played a more interesting, entertaining, less hair pulley outy <laughs> brand of basketball. And I think that's carried over to the defense as well. Look, the offense has been the big story, I think, in terms of positive change. The defense has been still pretty bad <laughs> and has its moments where it looks rough. That Kings game, of course, though, showed exactly the intention of the way they play defense. And when it's executed well, it's pretty damn impressive. It's really hard to score on, and it's especially tough on ball movement heavy teams. Really interested to see exactly how it looks against the Warriors tonight, who are ball movement heavy, plenty of passing lanes to jump. They're very turnover prone, but it's a different kind of ball movement heavy, right? There's a lot of, uh, you know, split action and, you know, Draymond working the short roll, that type of stuff. It's going to be a different look than the Kings offered them. I'm curious to see if they can kind of carry over the locked in attention to detail they had in that game against the Kings. Very different, but also kind of the same in terms of uh, the potency of the players on the other side. Um, But either way, the defense over the last month, not a ton has changed, right? They're still extremely aggressive. They still give up a lot of corner threes, slightly improved. Like they go from like 28th to 24th or 23rd in corner threes allowed over the last, you know, 27 days. That's modest, meager improvement. Uh, You know, their free throw rate is still, you know, bottom of the league and bottom 10 in the league in terms of the number of free throws that are allowing that type of stuff. There's not been a huge sea change in a lot of what they're doing. However... They are protecting the rim a lot better, and they're doing it twofold. It's not just they're stopping guys from scoring at the rim more effectively, but they're preventing the other team from getting to the rim as often as well. Um, It's per cleaning the glass. They were 24th in the NBA in the first two and a half months in rim frequency allowed. They're now 18th, and NBA.com has them improving a lot differently. I think they're like 12th in terms of rim frequency allowed on NBA.com, so cleaning the glass Cuts at the garbage time. I would probably go with that number as a bit more of a clear um, indicator. But still, 24th to 18th, not bad. The most impressive thing, though, is that they're defending the rim the sixth best of any team in the NBA in terms of defensive field goal percentage allowed at the rim. Um, That's up from 23rd in the first two and a half months of the season. And obviously, the reason, a big reason for it is Precious Ochua. Like, he's really, really, really good at playing defense. And... The way we've seen the Raptors protect the rim more effectively over this last month or so, not even a full month, but this is kind of, you know, I think the the most logical time to look back at the month considering where we are in the week and all that, uh, and the month is over next week. Either way, not important. The addition of Precious Achua, like, unquestionably makes them a more potent defense, makes teams have to think about what they're going to do with the rim a little bit more often. He's not Rudy Gobert. He's not 7'3". He's not a walking rim deterrent, not yet at least. 
but he's very clearly a guy who's going to cause problems for anyone who goes in that area. And he's playing more minutes of late. He's near 30 minutes a game over his last five. I can't imagine they're going to de-escalate his minutes considering how well he's played and considering at the start of the season, Nick Nurse really wanted to see Precious playing 30 minutes a night and he just wasn't kind of performing offensively, I think, more than defensively, but still. Um, you know, he's just a really good defensive player. You factor in as well. I think we've seen an uptick from Fred Van Vliet in terms of his on-ball defense. He's still not maybe the player he was last season when I think you could have argued he was an all-defense candidate, but he's been a lot better than he was to begin the year when he was dealing with illness and back trouble. He's been a little more healthy, and I think that's translated to some pretty good stuff on the defensive end. Not to mention, he continues to be the man with the iron fists off-ball, scooping in, you know, poking balls away, getting blocks that are actually steals, that type of stuff. Um, you know, he's been better there. Gary Trent Jr. is leading the team in steals over the last little while here, too. Um, Pascal, I think, has had a pretty good run defensively. They seem like they're more on a string. I still think the defense needs to chill just a little bit and be less of a, a constant sort of rotation fest and all of that. Um, but for the what they're doing, and you know, if they're going to be stubborn and keep on playing this style of defense, they're at least playing it more effectively, it seems, over the last month, the numbers, you know, they're 15th in defense in the last 27 days here per NBA.com. That's fine. They're 16th in half-court defense per cleaning the glass. That's improvement from where they have been at, at points this season, where they have looked at times like one of the worst defenses in the NBA. And maybe it's a little reductive to just be like, well, Precious Achua's fixed it all. But maybe Precious Achua's just kind of fixed it all. He's really, really bloody good. And I think he continues to be just such a huge beacon of optimism for the team. And if your argument for, you know, whether if you're the front office and you're trying to make the case like, no, there's no need for us to make huge grand sweeping changes at this deadline. I think the upward mobility that a Precious Achua and Scotty Barnes, of course, give you is the reason why you feel that way. It's the reason why you're probably all right with the idea of, you know, kind of riding it out here and just seeing if internal development can be your pathway to improvement like they thought would be the case this season. Hasn't happened so far, but some positive signs, at least over the last 27 days. And if nothing else... The team is more interesting to watch. The team is less of a miserable slog. It's not a chore to watch right now. They're actually playing interesting basketball. And credit to Nick Nurse. Like, as much as they haven't really changed the defensive scheme all that much, obviously, I think practice time, they got a lot of that this month. That's pretty helpful with the homestand they had. Practice time helps you kind of instill your principles a little more effectively. Um, they're getting reasonable bench contributions now from Wancho and, you know, Thad has had a couple of moments here and there. Malachi Flynn had his moments this month. Like the rosters seem a little bit more deep. Nurse is uh, at least adapting things specifically on the offensive end, of course. Again, that's where the biggest changes have come here. But uh, overall, I don't find myself just like screaming at the television anymore, which I guess is progress. And maybe it's not enough progress to stay, to save the season or keep the Raptors from making big moves. But the arguments are starting to come into focus. If you are a team stand pat person, looking at the last 27 days, there are plenty of things to pluck and say, hey, that's a reason why you keep things the way they are and just hope that this is a setback on the way to a more linear improvement track to come in the future. We're going to come back on the other side, run through some of your favorite wrinkles that we're seeing from the Raptors uh, that you sent in, and then quickly round up the rumors regarding Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent. You the latest reporting from Mark Stein, who is extremely 
plugged in. We'll get to that in just one second. However, before we do that, got to tell you about our friends over at FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL and now of Locked On, which we are very, very excited about. They are the number one sportsbook in America. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better because they have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers can join today to get started with a $150 bonus in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash Locked On. FanDuel is all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. That, to me is the way to do it. If you are watching the Raptors tonight against the Warriors, for example, or whatever, and you feel like, all right, this is the only game I'm watching. How can I juice this up a little bit? Get a little same game parlay going with the players involved in said game. I can't beat that, especially if uh, the Raptors are losing. Maybe you can still win, even if the Raptors are, in fact, not looking so hot. It's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans, don't miss out. Obviously, basketball, hockey, all that too. But football, championship weekend this weekend. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL and of LockedOn. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's continue on here. Round of the show with a look at some of your listener submissions of the things the Raptors are doing that is that are intriguing you, that are making you happy this, this month. I, I do think in general, it's been a more fun month to watch the Toronto Raptors. And, and for it being January and cold and gray, it's been nice to at least see interesting ball. Jeremy Mulder says that more pick and rolls simply, uh, yeah, more pick and roll has been nice. And we've seen lots of different iterations of it, right? We've seen Fred Scotty. We've seen Fred Pascal. We've seen Pascal Fred. We've seen Pascal Scotty. We've seen Gary Scotty. Um, lots of different iterations. I, I think kind of speaking to Scotty, Fred, and Siakam sort of ramping up and becoming the very clear three guys who run most possessions, that to me... It was working well because all those three guys are sort of interesting fits in various pick and roll combinations with one another. Another person uh, who sent this one in, it was uh, Logo Jerry 2K sent in uh, Scotty Short Rolls, which, yeah, I could watch Scotty Short Rolls all day long. Also sounds kind of like a dessert I'd like to eat, um, but that's been a fun thing. Santi Espinoza points out the Fred and Pascal pick and roll out of 2019. They have spammed it a little bit more. That, of course, was a, uh, you know, that's a play that's kicked ass for a very long time for the Raptors. Even, you know, like last year, I think it was kind of maybe at its best. We saw it in 2019-20. It was more Lowry and, and, and Pascal kind of running those inverted pick and rolls or whatever it was. Lowry screening for Siakam, vice versa. Pick and roll, good way to score baskets, as it turns out. And I think the Raptors are kind of showing they at least have a little bit of juice to play that traditional style, especially when you get the bounce back and shooting from guys like OG and Gary and Fred. The spacing's just better. Teams got to worry about those guys more often, and that's creating a lot more space in the middle of the floor. And having Scotty operate in the middle of the floor as your kind of one non-shooting threat, uh, turns out spacing around him, maybe that's going to be a thing to do in the future. Um, Will he be the kind of player who's good enough to just sort of 
run a thousand pick and rolls a game? Probably not. You know, I don't think that would be a great use of Scotty considering he's got a lot of other tools in the tool shed, but, um, you know, I, I think that's been a really fun thing to see. Next one here, Eric Morris, Epic Moppus, our favorite Tennessean. Seems like playing more zone lately is frustrated opposing offenses and led to some fun fast breaks. Anytime they can get a pass out ahead of the defense on a fast break is really fun. Yeah, I mean, as I said, the de- the offense and transition has been butt this month, 27th in the league. You would think that's probably going to bounce back because they have very good transition players and they get still a league high in deflections and steals. That's still very part, very much part of their fabric. I, I wonder if, you know, the precious adventures in transition have kind of hurt those numbers a little bit. Um, you know, maybe teams just being more ready for the Raptors who before the turn of the new year were just like eviscerating teams in transition. However bad they were overall, they were the number one transition team by a mile. Um, you know, I, I would have, Imagine it's going to bounce back to sort of near top of the league levels over the course of the full season. And if there's one sort of number from the last month that gives you even more optimism, and I think it is that the transition offense has not been very good when we kind of know that they have the personnel in hand to be extremely good in those situations. Um, The other one here from Jay Rich regular interactor of the podcast all big lineup to start the fourth quarter fun to see the chaos and created the rest time afforded to the starters that's a huge thing right they've actually used their bench this month um whether it was earlier in the month when they had those sort of gary heavy bench lineups now the scotty heavy bench lineups where he's kind of running the show uh those have been really fun and are again a way to get rest i still can't get over pascal siakam in that game against the kings getting eight minutes of rest before the halfway point of the second quarter completely just like an anomaly on the season plays 34 minutes in the game it's the offense probably is benefiting from that as well just guys not being completely gassed all the freaking time uh there's no way that's not helping things a little bit with the offense um yeah some some really fun stuff that the Raptors are doing differently thanks for sending in your submissions let's take a quick look now at the latest rumor roundup Mark Stein as I mentioned you know pointing out that OG doesn't seem like he's on the block per his reporting again we'll see the Raptors are known to do things at a left field and maybe the fact that he is uh not in the the rumor mill right now in fact suggests that he is in fact about to be traded tomorrow who's to say the Raptors are weird Otherwise, Mark Stein reporting Gary Trent Jr. still seems like the most likely guy to get dealt. Of course, there were the rumors this week that he's actually open to sticking around with the Raptors and signing a long-term deal. It might have been Michael Grange that reported that. I I truthfully don't know. Maybe that's the Raptors putting that out there to try to juice up Gary Trent Jr.'s trade value. If they're, hey, we're going to re-sign him anyway, you know, better pay up. Maybe that's their sort of thinking here. I don't really know, but I'm just passing along the information. You can feel free to parse whatever you want to parse. And maybe the most interesting thing to try to parse right now is the reporting from Mark Stein. Of course, Fred Van Vliet earlier this week reported that he parted ways with his agent and is uh, maybe, it seems like now, per Mark Stein, looking at signing on with Clutch Sports, which... I don't know what that means. Frankly, I know everyone likes to, you know, draw clutch sports and say, oh, they run the Lakers. Everyone's going to the Lakers when they're clutch sports. There's too many guys who are signed to clutch sports for that to be a thing. Uh, It's just not enough roster spots, nor cap space in in L.A., all of that. Um, But I I guess if the, the interesting part of this is that OG, Nick Nurse, and Gary Trent Jr. are also clutch clients, how does that affect things here? I have no idea. You know, the reports are still that maybe they're working on an extension with Fred Van Vliet, that four-year $114 million, which he said he thinks he's outplayed. I wouldn't guess he's going to sign that deal. I think it'll probably come in something closer to 4-120 or 4-130. Um, 
which I think is a totally fine price to pay for Fred Van Vliet, if I'm being totally honest. Uh, you know, if he's playing the way he has the last month, I'm willing to, you know, see that as optimism for what's going forward. And I talked yesterday about how I think the chemistry between him and Scotty Barnes is moving along really nicely. That's been a big part of the offensive success we talked about this month as well. Um, you know, maybe it means all the clutch guys are just going to be happy, hunky-dory, and want to stay in Toronto. I don't know. I think it's really easy to kind of jump to conclusions with agent talk when I really don't know if there's any sort of set pattern of agent move happens, this means this guy is doing this thing. He probably just wants an agent to negotiate himself a new deal, and, you know, maybe we have no idea the inner workings of those conversations, but just passing along the latest news, I do think at this point, I don't think I'm trading Fred Van Vliet. I think he's really important. I think unless there's like an actual plan in place to replace him with a real point guard, uh, that's a very dubious thing to me. There's not, those types of players don't just fall off of trees and you can't go and just assume, well, we're going to get Scoot Henderson in the draft lottery because guess what? You're probably not getting Scoot Henderson in the draft lottery, just the way probabilities work. Um, so I think until a better solution comes along, Fred Van Vliet is the guy to me and uh, the way he's played over the last month, which has coincided with the Raptors looking a lot more competent, I think is enough reason to want to keep him around. The Gary Trent Jr. thing, that totally is going to come down, I think, to the Raptors' ability, their perceived ability to keep him. They know way better than we do where Gary Trent Jr. sits, and so I'm willing to just kind of let that one ride out. It was nice today to not talk about trade stuff all the way through the show, I must say. Um, and uh, you know, we'll let see. We'll see how those things play out as the deadline draws near, just 13 days away. But with that, we're going to round out today's show. Hopefully, I left you feeling a little better about what the Raptors have done over the last month here. Again, 22 and 27, the season still might be totally lost, but, uh, you know, we got to enjoy things somehow. Six months of basketball, you got to pull some joy out of it, and the Raptors are at least making that a little more possible of late, which is nice. We'll round it there. Thank you so much. We'll be back again on Monday to break down uh, the Raptors' continuing road trip out west. They've got the Warriors tonight. I think the Blazers Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so we will have that all broken down for you coming up on Monday. And a busy week, of course, as they continue their western swing next week with the deadline drawing near. So thank you very much. Go listen to previous episodes this week. Go support the show on your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube for free. And go make your second listen of the day, Locked on Leafs, with our pals Mike and Dave, who are doing a great job breaking down the Leafs. They'll have all of the info on the Austin Matthews injury, which is kind of a bummer. But, the you know, he'll be healthy, ready to go for the playoffs, you would think. And maybe some rest is not the worst thing in the world for a team that is not really playing for a whole lot right now. They're going to be the second team in the in the Atlantic Division and all that. Go listen to Lockdown Leafs. They are far more in tune to the Leafs than I am. Uh, they're great. Go check them out. With that, we'll round it up there. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye-bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.